0: Why aren't more young professionals choosing the advice industry? Why aren't industry? more women staying in advice? In a job that you're more passionate to about. Female in your the financial industry, there are at four Attracting males. Attracting best
1: graduates to the financial
0: advice industry. practices and industry partners do? The most important thing is to have the discussion. Welcome to Her Advice. Join us as we speak with inspiring and diverse leaders within the Australian advice industry. Listen in as we examine how we can encourage future leaders and continue to see the financial advice industry thrive and be inspired as experts reflect on what the future of financial advice could be. Welcome, I'm Tara Sutton, State Director of Queensland at BT Financial Group. Before we begin today, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording, the Turbal people here in Brisbane, and pay our respects to elders, both past and present. Today, I'm joined by Alastair Barr, founder and CEO of Striver. Welcome, Alastair.
1: Hi, Tareth. Thanks for having me.
0: So, we've reached the final episode in this series of her advice. Throughout the series, I've been challenged to think through what the future of advice might look like. We've spoken to four women who have given their insights into what might be holding women back and challenges they have faced within financial advice but we have also heard stories of advice professionals wanting to see their clients achieve their financial goals and wanting to create an industry that reflects all Australians. Can we attract young professionals to the industry and provide interesting, challenging careers for them? Will the financial advice industry of tomorrow better reflect all Australians? And this is the perfect introduction to Striver and the work you're doing, Alistair. Do you wanna share with us the backstory of Striver? How did you go from picking grapes to being a graduate mentor?
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound like a really straight line, that one, does it, Tara? So really looking forward to this conversation and I've thoroughly enjoyed the last four podcasts. The guests have been amazing. Interestingly enough, I'm going to say something that most people say is that I fell into advice. I was very unemployable coming out of university many moons ago and couldn't get a job, much to my mother, and child's dismay, and Licking Grapes and Margot River, which sounds a lot more romantic than it really is. But then kind of found my way into financial advice through trying to get a job and working with a small firm in WA and then Ended up getting out of WA and moving to Sydney just for more opportunity and probably just to leave the nest and and then worked with a few small financial planning firms and then ended up working in a large organisation and aeroplaning there and then ended up working for Combank for ten years, and moving around retail banking and I've but always back to advice. I left the bank to go and change the world and have impact and all that sort of jazz and set up financial literacy social enterprise, which was more social and enterprising and helping young people make good decisions around money and being product agnostic and 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 that sort of evolved into my connections through the wealth management profession and people saying how did you find people to work in your firms when you worked at the Combank and then that sort of led to me building some relationships with the universities and connecting young people with careers and, and that's the evolution and that's 11 years ago now and our purpose at Strivers is about you know considering careers and the impact that they had on on individuals and the community around them and so we really focus on how do we get the right people in the right roles at the right time because we believe that that has significant impact on their overall well-being and the community around them. Great
0: right. so you're working with Hundreds of graduates or sued to be graduates. What do you think is attracting graduates to financial advice? And then also, flip side, what's turning them off?
1: This is a really good question because most of the time it's led with your second part of the question is like, why don't people like us? I'll tell you what, it's not, Barra. It's not a raw commission because university graduates now were 14 and 15 when the Royal Commission was on and they weren't watching the Royal Commission unfold on YouTube like the rest of those. So that's not the reason. And that what the actual places I find when I dig around and I go further and further and further, no one's aware of it. There's just an awareness of what the profession is, the impact that it has and the opportunities within it and so forth. And we ran an event in the great offices of BT in Sydney, where we took 200 university students first year into a room who hadn't chosen a major yet, and we had people in the profession talk around what superannuation was, talk about technology, talk about diversity and inclusion, talking around advice and the opportunities and the careers in it. And we had eight and a half out of 10 of them go, oh, we weren't even aware of this. What is this career in financial advice? That's 170 people. Why didn't they know about advice? They didn't have a negative view on advice. They just didn't know about it. So I think that's the key to us: how do we get new entrants? Now, high school students interested in studying it, and they're also career changes. Career changes is a really interesting one. Our early comment was around young people, but what about all people, and what are the flexibility options that this profession holds, and how can we think differently about attracting people from diverse backgrounds and diverse careers and so forth? Because as you go around the profession at the moment, and you ask people, how did you get into it? Most people say something like, I fell into it. Let's lean into letting people fall into it by making it really clear on what it is we do, the difference that we make and how we can be flexible about it.
0: Yes. I think most people I know in this industry fell into financial advice. What I am getting really encouraged by, and I wonder if you are having a similar experience is the beneficiaries of financial planning clients, if they had a seat at the table while mum and dad are getting advice... That's leading to them going, okay, I see that. I see the benefit they're delivering to my mum and dad. So I've been really encouraged hearing that people entering the industry because they've witnessed the impact of financial advice on their immediate family. Have you had similar experiences?
1: Yeah, like I would suggest a lot of the career conversations happen around the kitchen tables. A high school student who says, what shall I be when I grow up? And mum and dad are one of the sounding boards they use, right? Then sure, that should come up. Oh, we could be a doctor, right, Dr. Jones down the road. If the advisor is part of that family unit, then why wouldn't they be brought up when the conversation was like, what should I do when I go to university, mum and dad?
0: Okay. So throughout the series, Alastair, I know you've listened to the previous episodes. We've mentioned that female representation in our industry is stagnant at around 20%. From the graduates that you're seeing come through. Do you think we will increase the representation of women in the industry?
1: I think we will. I think there's a combination of things that need to happen to do that. And I don't think we're seeing it yet. Interestingly enough, at our last event, we did see a 40% female representation. But I think the key to that is just opening it up to all people, right? So if you go out to Western Sydney University or Beacon University or Griffith University, any of these universities, is just opening the opportunity up and the exposure of what the option is within the profession are to everybody. Also, I think one of the keys there is flexibility and opportunity around the career changes as well, like making it very accessible for people to come in. I think if you have more people or reduce barriers to entry or hurdles for people to get into it, and therefore you get more people attracted to it, then naturally you should get a reflection of the community that you serve. But I think it needs to be a consistent and ongoing approach. There's also got to be clarity on what a career looks like. It needs to be continuous conversation at schools. It needs to be a conversation at the university. It needs to be broadening our ability to go, okay, well, do we only want people who are studying financial planning degrees at the 18 universities that are providing that in our profession, Are we interested in actually broadening up to universities who might not have financial planning as a choice and hiring accounting students out of those because they show the right propensity to be good in our profession and so forth and dropping some of those guards just means that we're reducing barriers obviously showcasing inspirational people within the profession is always great but it's a combination of all of those things and also again i was to keep harping on around this career change thing like dropping down barriers getting people into the profession and making it easy for people to choose this profession is really key and i think we all the whole community has the role in that we should be seeing from the rooftops around the value of a career in this profession and consistently being on that front foot and i think as professionals we need to be doing that you know replacing ourselves plus one and see sustainable growth in the profession over time
0: so when recruiting for a new role alistair what are three things that advice firms can be doing to ensure they find the best candidate but also ensuring that they're creating a diverse workplace.
1: So the three things they should be doing is being one, clear on what their employee value proposition is. What is the value proposition to the individual coming into the firm? Firms should focus on their client value proposition and on their employee value proposition. What is the value that you provide them? The second part is being clear on the role that you want to fill so and this is a really interesting one because it's very easy to go tara you're just like me that means we're going to get along this is going to be great we want a job let's work together and then tara you and me are so similar that we kind of there's no value in it. there's no diversity between our thinking so therefore we'll we both think the same. We do the same thing. What's the purpose of having two? We actually need somebody that's a little bit different to me. Build some diversity in thinking, which has then allows us to broaden our, our skill set as a business. So there's one place that diversity really comes into that, which is your ability to think differently. So what is the role that I want the person to do and hire the person for the role? Not I like you, you like me, we'll be great together because that wants to be people stepping on each other's toes. And the third thing, which is really important, I think, it is being clear on flexibility. And before the dreaded COVID, I would talk at a conference and somebody would fold around and say, these young people, well, they want to work from the beach. Where well, I'd say the word flexibility. And now I'm talking about how do we create an environment that's flexible enough to bring a career changer or a return to work parent or somebody who wants to work part-time into a profession that's profession crying out for good people and diversity in people. So now we put flexibility into that train of thought, what is it that we need to do to make it attractive to people who want to work in a different way or are coming from somewhere that it's not flexible? What does that mean? And it might mean part-time and it might be work from home and it might be different hours and it might be in a different style and so forth. To me, that just, again, in another way that we reduce barriers to entry for people to come in. And so as we do that consistently, when we get a better reflection of the community.
0: Great answer. So we've spoken about the three things that practices can do to recruit for new roles and create a diverse workplace, but once you have them, how do you retain great staff?
1: That's a really good question too. I think that it's not this similar to how it's always been. I think the one thing that people kind of crave is clarity and involving them in um, career planning or strategy in the overall business, but also what does the individual want to do and how do they want to achieve it? So what are their goals, where they want to get to? What's their short and medium and long term goals? And so if you've got someone who's coming out of a PY, right? What is the plan? Like, what? How long before we're going to be a fully-fledged advisor? What is the pathway from entering PY to finishing PY to being an associate to being an advisor to being a partner? What that looks like and what are the things that need to happen to get there? Clarity around that or clarity that there is no clarity or conversations around individuals' career plans are really, really key. Again, flexibility and all of these things are really important and being clear on what the drivers are of individuals, but I just think, regular conversations around career development what we're aiming towards what i'm doing for it what you're doing for it are we clear and there's no surprises it's just really underestimated i think when we see things like a professional year people will say oh we lose people at the end of we lost someone at the end of the professional year we don't like that we're never going to do that again i would probably put money on one of the key reasons why is some of the development and the people management hygiene dropped off through that year And so when it gets to the end of the year, they go, I've got my year. I've got my ticket. I'm out of here. I'm as compared to saying, well, no, we do, we do our monthly capture. We do our quarterly check-in we do our six monthly performance review. And we keep that hygiene around. What are your goals? Um, How can we help you get there? What are the milestones we need to achieve? What do you do? What do I do? What's the development plan? Those conversations go a long way to ongoing engagement with the business and also being open to the fact that not everybody's going to stay with you forever too. I, I've been to the fact that some stages you don't have the development opportunities for them, or they might be better off moving elsewhere. So all of those things are really important.
0: Okay. So there's been a bit of debate around new entrants into the industry or career change individuals. In your experience, if someone wants to be an advisor, do they have to have moved through the ranks? Do they have to start as a client service officer and a power planner before coming in advisor? Is that a must have?
1: Um, No, I think where that's come from, I think that we've tried to create a typical career pathway and sure, some people would have gone down that track, but why not just be open to reducing barriers and being more flexible about how people get to what's important to them and, and where they're going to be. The strength. if the person has a skill set around building relationships with clients and understanding how to help them achieve what's important to them, then why would we make them go and do power planning or any element of that? So you yeah, know, I don't think there needs to be a standard class play. I think we've tried it we've tried it we've tried it. People have fallen into it. Let's just be open to how people fall into it and have a picture and adventure which is which is better for everybody.
0: Yeah. I really do hope those that are thinking about a career change know that they're not starting at the very bottom. Not to say the work that a CSO does is not valuable, it's very valuable, but I think that is one of the barriers. I've gone from a well-established career in X, Y, and Z, and now I'm falling right back down to the bottom, shuffling paper until, you know, I'm back in front of clients again. And back to your comment earlier around retaining staff and particularly around those going through their PY. You mentioned how important it is to have that regular catch-up, discussing development goals, milestones, etc. What's your advice to practices on how to have those conversations, and in what structure and with who?
1: So there needs to be a clear line manager, and and I think that needs to be the person who's working directly with that person. There also needs to be clarity on what the role is too. You can't have one task that's shared across a couple of people because that creates a little bit of lack of ownership. So I would be, be clear that there needs to be a direct line manager relationship, and I think that needs to be the person i are working with is directly responsible for all the stuff for doing that day.
0: Alistair, how important is it in the interview process when hiring for a PY candidate to include the person who is going to be directly responsible for managing that person for that twelve months? Should they be part of that interview process?
1: Yeah, make sure the person is going to be supervising the professional year and managing the person through that has buy into the height. Because I would think that that's probably where the break point is. If the directors come in and said, "Here's your PY," and they go, "Well, that's the person that's going to help me provide advice to my clients," you've just overridden me, right? And so, you know, when you when you see larger organisations with hierarchy, the worst thing that can happen, or one of the biggest rate points or, or bad behaviors that starts is when someone goes over their direct line manager to the boss, then there's this relationship that's outside of the hierarchy. There's a hierarchy for a reason, right? And it's and a transparent flow of information. Hopefully it's not like any sort of ceilings or anything, but as soon as that starts to happen, you undermine so much that goes on. And I would imagine the person that's being undermined in the middle that not buying into it is actually a little bit where breakdown happens.
0: Alistair, I love hearing about someone who's had a career change and thrived, not only in financial advice, but in any profession. Do you have an example of someone you know that's changed careers into financial advice and has loved it?
1: Yeah, so we've, we've worked with a lot of career changes and we really like working with career changes. I think, as I've said before, like the diversity and the flexibility that they bring in is really good to see and, and the profession that needs it, right? And I think it's a great profession for people who are on second careers and third careers or wanting a more flexible environment. And and there was a candidate that I ran into recently at Congress and and I I mentioned their name. to introduce introduced and She said, do you remember me? And I said, yes, I met you. You were sitting in a car, so we are on Zoom. So she's gone through the Strava process early on, just probably early in COVID. And I do remember her. And I said, you worked at, said, bang. And she said, yes, you remember. She was sitting in the car. She was outside the branch. She was on a lunch break. She was doing this interview. She said, I really want to get into advice. And I'm working here. And I have a family. And, um, we, and we had this conversation. And we introduced her to a few people. And she ended up getting role outside of Strava which I'm all very, very happy for. I mean, we can't solve all the problems all the time. We just want to make sure that people get in front of the right roles and f- fulfilling careers. And she said, you know, you helped me out, think through this and then I got there and so forth. And she had just at the at the Congress, she told me she just opened her own financial planning firm. She got a bit of praise through, the, through Congress as well. And so that's the sort of stuff where hopefully that impact put her in the right direction to actually make the change, to make the leap to... Change careers and then, and you know, now she's going to be an ongoing solid contributor to the advice profession only makes it richer.
0: So, not only have we had someone change career into financial advice, we've had someone build a business and start financial planning practice. So,
1: never a straight line like that, though. So, it was a bit of a shock. Well, I mean. You know, that's just part of what we do, right? Making sure that we make it easy for people to find a good place to get their career started, whether it's the first career or the second or third, right? And that's the barrier reduction. And so we can make that easier and on sort of not have all the barriers around an education status and so forth, but it's all the things that need to be addressed, but let's just get more people into this great profession to let them fall in love and fall into it. Like I said earlier, do one the difference you can make.
0: We heard from several women over this series that financial advice wasn't the career they were aiming for. Rather, like you put it, they fell into financial advice, but it is a career in which they have thrived and are continuing to thrive. And quite often it is mentors that have guided them there. So question to you is, uh, are you a mentor and do you think mentor mentoring is important?
1: Um. Yeah, so there are a few people that I certainly do have a mentoring relationship with. Certainly not formal, and I think that's fine. Um, because I think sometimes you are not the right right person for someone to talk to, and sometimes there's other people that are sort of better placed. I, I mean, I think mentoring is amazing. Like I have mentors in in my business, but again, like you know, we have an advisory board, which are probably all mentors of mine, but. Some of them I go to with some things and some I go to them with other things. And, and so I think it's really important that people have a sounding board, um, and or are a sounding board for people who, are uh, for them in their journey. Um, I think it's, it's the, the question is, you know, is it important? I think it's, it's really important. I think sometimes we find ourselves in mentoring relationships as a mentor and we didn't, we don't actually see ourselves in that situation. And so, it's, and it's okay. I I sort of see what the impact that it has and be aware of that. And then individually, again, I don't seek out mentors, but I've ended up collecting people around us who, you know, have a genuine interest and who I really sort of admire and value those relationships. And so I think that's kind of the key to it.
0: Yeah. They quite often are just people you would probably refer to as friends or colleagues, but those, you know, when you chat to them about a a problem or an opportunity, they're answering you with absolutely no personal bias. For me, that's true kind of mentorship.
1: I had this conversation this morning with somebody, again, who I consider a friend. And the first five minutes, they just kind of were outlining a scenario, which was exactly what I was sitting on in the middle of. And and it was like they I hadn't given them any frame of any decision where I was, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a really helpful conversation and one that's like no bias or no self-interest driven to it. This person was just going down the slide who just knew exactly what I was about to go to explain I was going through by knowing me that way. So it was great.
0: On behalf of BT Alistair, thank you for sharing your thoughts today. It's been really insightful to hear your perspective on the industry, in particular how to practically remove those barriers to entry, not only for young graduates, but for graduates who are in the midst of a career change. So I know you're doing really great things in helping people find their place within the industry. So thanks very much for your time.
1: Thank you Tara, I really enjoyed it.
0: This podcast is for advisor use only. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the presenter's personal opinions. BT accepts no responsibility for the content of the podcast. Comments may not be attributed to BT or other participants without prior permission. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.